A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast, and joining me today on this bonus episode, making his third appearance on the podcast, you know him as the man who embarrasses Trump supporters for a living. Welcome back, Jordan Klepper. <laughs> Matt, thanks for having me. Three times. Give me a jacket. I want a nice, yeah, nice you're, denim you're jacket, maybe. You're in the club now, so the jacket will be sent uh, out to your house shortly. Uh, Thank you. After we do the podcast. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to have you here right now as you're about to start this week of guest hosting The Daily Show. It's a, it's a big deal. Uh, how are you feeling? I'm feeling great. It happens. April 17th, that whole week. I've been been filming this whole week, trying to prep for this big week, trying to edit some pieces. Uh, dot a few I's, cross some T's. Uh, it's it's going to be an exciting, exciting, fun week. Yeah, I was wondering. So the, the show is off this week as we're talking. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought maybe that was just to give a little buffer to whoever had to follow Roy Wood Jr. Um, you wow. Know, uh... He didn't do that well. You know, he's <laughs> yes, he's talented and funny. Uh, but I mean, he yes, but that's exactly what it was. They were like, Roy here. Uh and, and then everyone's happened. gonna need a week. Yeah, everybody needs a week. Uh, it, we'll, we'll pretend that it's because Jesus Christ died and then came back a few oh, days there later. There was that too. Yeah, I forgot there about was that. This, this Jesus I'm, that you I'm forget. A Jew, but the, yeah, no, the Daily Show has been a Christian-run organization since the beginning. <laughs> John Stewart was like, "This is this is the number one thing yeah, for us. This is Make very sure. important." Yeah, all all Christian holidays they are number <laughs> one. So we took the week off, um, and and we're jumping back up next week. So. I'm very excited, but it gave us an opportunity to kind of prep for for a big week of shows, which has sort of been a really big bonus for these these new hosts every week kind of a thing. Is you actually have more lead time to prep pieces because yeah, you're the not week like on the hamster wheel the whole time. You're not. You get to think about it a few weeks ahead of time. You get to film a couple things, prep some deeper dive pieces. So it's it's given us sort of a new gear to play around with. I mean, you've been at the show in one way or another for quite a long time now, but did you get any advice from from John, from Trevor, from Roy, from anyone about uh, about what this uh, what to expect uh, next week? Not a thing. None of them reached out. Going in out. blind. <laughs> Not a gosh darn thing. You think there'd be more community than that, but really they're like, no, we don't we don't give a shit. We've we've done this. We're <laughs> yeah. over it. Move on. You're gonna sink <laughs> or swim on your own. Yeah, it's like, are you kidding? Yeah, no. Trevor didn't leave that show because he wanted to to go away and give more advice as to how to do that show. <laughs> he wanted to leave that show in the rear view and never talk to anyone yeah, again. Get I, as far away as possible. Just get out. <laughs> I will say the one thing you know, having talked to many of those folks about this type of thing, when I got to host the opposition, I talked with John about it, talked with Trevor about it. I will say it's so easy to hold these things so tight and to to try to. Uh, perfect every moment of this big week coming up. The thing that is resonating with me and what I'm trying to do is just to play and have fun. It is such a privilege to get to sit at that desk and to to pick some news stories, to come up with jokes, to come up with a point of view, and to also play off of your friends and your colleagues all week. That That's sort of been my one thing. 
is just play. You got to enjoy it. Who knows how many times you're going to get to do something like this, sit at that desk and enjoy every second of it. A big part of it is reacting to the news of what's happening that day. But you said you are prepping stuff and you're obviously Mm -hmm. known for pre-taping your field pieces at the rallies and things. Are you you working on stuff ahead like that for the week? Yes, I've uh, got some surprises uh, and some things I can tell. I, I went to the world's largest gun show. And so that's terrifying. It's terrifying. And sadly, uh, gun culture is not going away. And it's been in the news every week for for as long as I can remember. And so there was a terrible shooting and there was the world's largest gun show, 11 acres of guns. And I was like, I want to do a piece there. Let's dive in. Let's talk to people. Let's do some man on the streets about our gun culture and our obsession with the AR-15. And so we're prepping a piece for that right now. I flew to Michigan a couple days ago to talk to Governor Whitmer at my hometown brewery. We poured beers at Bell's Brewery. We talked about uh, they're working in Michigan on gun safety measures, talking about how she ran on abortion as a winning um, as a winning issue in a place like Michigan. And we've talked about the Michigan Wolverines, uh, everything close to my heart. We have another uh, couple big guests we haven't announced yet who are going to be on the show. And so sort of an opportunity to be like, I want to do a Figures the Pulse piece. I want to go out into the world. I want to cover this gun issue because it's a cancer on our country and every day. There's a terrible, terrible news story. So let's let's try to dig into this a little bit more in a way that I don't usually get to do. Let's talk to like these movers and shakers in politics. I love a good daily show sit-down interview. We're doing that with Gretchen Whitmer. We're doing it over beers, the best way to talk. That's the one thing the journalists can't do is get inebriated <laughs> on camera, at least. And so this is what a comedian gets to do. He gets to hey, booze it up with a governor. not all journalists. Don't, I would do it. Don't put it past me. <laughs> You'd drink with anybody. Yeah, Doesn't anybody. Matter. Doesn't matter, yeah. Any governor you would get <laughs> drunk with. <laughs> if they will come on this podcast, I will be drinking. <laughs> because I'll, I will not know what I'm supposed to do. Um, how, do how do I interact? So yeah, it's honestly, it's it's been a blast. And I and I'm, we're doing a deep dive into some other little topics uh, that I've been passionate about for some time. So... Yeah, it's a packed week of shows. Uh, it's kind of me going out into the world for for a lot of pieces uh, and having sit downs with important people and uh, and people involved in culture. Uh, I I want to kind of pack the second acts of shows this week with those kinds of conversations. Yeah, and then the first act is probably whatever's happening in the news. Um, you know, I know uh, John Leguizamo was hosting when the Trump indictment news broke, and he was very excited about that. Are there are there things you're hoping for? Uh, any predictions? Anything you, you really want to happen next week? You know, there's a presidential indictment. I'm never going to take it off the table. You know, there's there's a, <laughs> there, could about, be a I, there could be another one. Yeah, there's like a baker's dozen in the works right now, so that could pop. I know there's the Dominion lawsuit that's going on. That would Trump be a good and, one for you. That's going to be a classic. Trump and Pence are going to be hanging out at the NRA convention this weekend. I'm oh, sure. Damn, yeah. Nothing will happen there. <laughs> so there's there's a lot of topics that always go up there. If, if you noticed in the last few years of the American news cycle, there's rarely dull days. So I'm not expecting it to be a, a quiet week. Uh, of course, talking about the indictment, most recently you engaged with the circus outside the, the courthouse uh, during the Trump arraignment. Um, how was that for you? Uh, anything unexpected? Uh, how did you how do you feel about that one? Well, I finally got to chat with George Santos, which I've been dream it, come true. It's been on my dream board uh, for for <laughs> quite some time. Volleyball star, uh, you know, important leaders of uh, Supreme Court justice, I believe. Uh, so I wanted to get a chance to sit down with him. Uh, unfortunately, there were a lot of people there, but at least he showed up to that circus to make it even more of a circus. And it was uh, a wild time. I was just so happy it was in 
my home city and I could actually go to a Trump event. Tw 20 minutes from home was such <laughs> an easy commute. George, tell us, George, can you talk to us about your volleyball career? We need to Talk to me about your law degree. Which law degrees have you gotten that you are bringing here to this? I showed up. As first president of the United States, do you feel that you can actually handle the jurisprudence that's going on? Talk to me about your volleyball, George. After a productive conversation like that, I feel good about our nation's future. Jordan, um, if nobody else has done it, Jordan, I want to thank you for all that you've done because I know it takes a lot out of you. You know, Roy, I appreciate that. I'm looking forward to a nice rest. <laughs> no, you got to go back down there and get some more. We need some more of this shit for tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> You're the boss for this week. Now, did you see any officers of the court crying or telling Trump how sorry they were? You know, anything like that? It seems as if that existed outside of the purview of cameras, which is odd <laughs> because every camera on the East Coast was positioned outside that building. So what happened inside? I don't know. Trump seems like a pretty trusty narrator, so I don't know if he's giving us any reason not to believe his take on things. You obviously, you know, have a lot of insight into the minds of the Trump supporters at this point. Um, how do you think the indictment is going to impact that support? Do you think it's going to help or hurt or uh, what are you seeing out there? They don't care. They don't care. If you're, a, if you're a MAGA supporter, you don't care. Yeah, so it'll be woven into the grand narrative of Trump as king um, and he is persecuted. He will use the victim card, uh, and he will also attempt to use the card that says this makes him stronger. So these tend to be contrary cards, but they're all going to be played. I don't think this helps the, the middle of the road, people who are on the fence about Donald Trump, which is perhaps a ever-dwindling population. But, but in reality, somebody being arrested for, um, for breaking the law and perhaps indicted for multiple things in the next coming months. Who knows? I, I don't see that as politically advantageous, but for the the core MAGA heads, it, it doesn't hurt him at all. It it gives them something to rally around. Have you gotten the chance to interact with any, you know, DeSantis fans out there? Because apparently there are quite a number of them. I mean, are are they different? Do you think that it's a, a different crowd or or how are you thinking about that group? You know, I'm what I what I have not noticed is Trump fans disowning DeSantis yet. You know, we've been to a few Trump events, and the events I've been to in the MAGA world uh, have been unique, have been closed off in ways that they weren't in the past, and so I haven't been to a traditional giant rally yet. But when I talk to the MAGA crowd, it's interesting because Trump tries to paint this picture of DeSantis, his competitor, in a very negative light, and I found that that message is not stuck yet with Trump supporters. They're not ready to throw him under the bus. And I went to... Nikki Haley's uh, launch party, if you will. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> everybody, everybody who was anybody who had nothing to do in Charleston between the hours of noon and one was there. Um, the DeSantis supporters who were there were excited about people outside of Trump being on the ticket, but I don't think I found a soul who is tired with the MAGA message and or Trump himself. And so I'm really not seeing distance or space put between the MAGA supporter and the DeSantis supporter. It feels like Trump's the number one. And until DeSantis really makes him the enemy and or takes a position that is outside of Trump's shadow and stands up to Donald Trump, I, I don't see there being a viable secondary option outside of Donald Trump right now for that for that community in particular. I, th I think like that's people are not running against him yet. And if you're not going to run against him, he's probably going to be your guy. 
Yeah, so we're just going to see the same thing again, where no one's really willing to go after him, and and he just rides to the to the seat again. That that seems to be that seems to be the evolution of it as of now. I, I until somebody stands up to him. I mean, DeSantis is just praying that the man gets locked away, and uh, and even then, that's not going to stop him from from running. So. Yeah, I guess you have to grow a backbone if you want to stand up to Donald Trump. You know what? You don't even have to grow a backbone. In the GOP, you have to, like, it's a mild, mild yeah. backbone. <laughs> like, it can it can be the wobbliest, wobbliest little thing. You just have to to utter some of the, the basic things that people in the middle of the country and in the middle of the political spectrum are dying for you to say. You have to utter them and and be prepared for somebody to criticize you from the Donald Trump perspective. And if you can't do even that bare minimum, well, guess what? He's still going to be the face of your party. Yeah, I mean, but as you said, you know, you've spent so much time with these people who are these Trump uh, devotees, and they, you know, there is doesn't seem like there's anything that could change their mind at this point. That that core group, including him going to prison, right? They're 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 not waiting for new information, and I think that's what's <laughs> going to be. Potentially boring about this uh, election cycle as well. It's new stuff will come out about Donald Trump, but again, the people who are in the Donald Trump camp, I think, have all of the information they need to make an opinion about Donald Trump. And for a lot of those folks, their opinion is not only that they like Donald Trump, but Donald Trump is emblematic of who they are. It's now part of their identity. You can't debate that. We're not debating if that's who you are. Is him? I can't debate who you are. I can debate what you want. I can debate the things you like, but you've you've now conflated this man with your own identity, and therefore you're lost to the conversation about who is more beneficial to you politically. Going back to the Daily Show, you know, you were the only correspondent, I believe, who was under both John and Trevor. Um, was there any talk of of taking over the the main seat uh, at that point uh, when when Trevor was coming in? I talked about it all the time. <laughs> I'm constant. Whoever would listen? No, no one would listen. <laughs> who's, who's? Oh yeah, say hey, hey guys, I've been here I'm, the longest. I'm right here. Yeah, I, I, I've Trevor got sick. I sat. I sat in the desk. I had another show. I'm comfortable with doing this. This is great. I'm exhausted being out there on the road. Put me <laughs> in, coach. I'm right here. Um, yeah, I've I, I think they decided to go with this uh, this rotating host thing, which has been really fun to see people do. Um, but function, yeah, I've I've been there for a very long time. I've been a fan of that show. I love that show. It's actually been really exciting to watch other people uh, be at the helm of that show. It's sort of a testament to the the writers and the staff of The Daily Show, that the essence of the show has still maintained, even with new personalities and new perspectives. So that's actually been a, a really surprising, exciting thing to watch over the last few months. Um, uh, but needless to say, it's really a dream come true to get to sit at that desk, even if it's just for a week, and and be the host. Um, if they want me to, to go longer, uh, I'll take a phone call. We'll talk. Yeah, I mean, I was wondering because you know you've hosted your own show, the opposition. You've done these, you know, become hugely successful with these field pieces. But it is the Daily Show. There's something about being that that host that still appeals to you. Of of course, as a yeah, I I I love that show. I love that position. I think like I, I'm very lucky in that I've gotten to to work with great hosts. I've gotten to do a lot of things on that show in the studio, outside the studio. Um, and so, you know, being a part of that show into what it becomes, and I think that's actually been exciting, too, in the last couple of months of watching what the show is, watching how nimble it can be, playing with a format that maybe at times we've, uh, we thought were so sacrosanct that you couldn't change, and you're starting to see, you know, I think there's opportunities there. Like, yeah, I would love to, love to be a part of what the next iteration of that show is. 
Yeah, I think in some ways the guest hosts have been so successful, but that now there's this idea out there that they could kind of just keep doing this forever. I mean, there was a New York Times article about it um, by uh, Jason Zinneman, sort of comparing it to SNL, where there's a guest host every week, and instead of doing one SNL episode, they're doing you know four episodes of The Daily Show every week. Um, yeah, does he have? Of- does he? Yeah, does he have any expertise on how difficult that <laughs> yeah. fucking is? That's. Great. I, I would a- think the people who work there might have uh, something to say about that. <laughs> yeah, great article. That would be cool. Yeah, exhausted. <laughs> I joke. I kid. I. I don't know. I. I have no idea. I have no connection to the. Um, the final decision as to what the show will become. As a fan of that show, I have been pleasantly surprised by how dynamic and surprising it's been with all these guest hosts. I, it's it's cool. I love watching Sarah Silverman get up there. She makes me laugh so hard. And seeing her be a part of this uh, this institution, really cool. Watching my buddy Roy Wood Jr. up there, I freaking love. And getting a chance to bounce off of him. Like I, I think there is something to it in a way that I wouldn't have said there would be a couple months ago. Uh, where it goes next, yeah, I'd be excited if it it finds its its legs and maybe something that does continue to change. I do think late night is going to have to look different in the next few years. And maybe that means it's hosts that rotate. Maybe it means it's multiple hosts. I don't know what it is, uh, but it's probably going to have a different feel and energy to it. And so we're sort of in an exciting part right now where we're trying a couple different things out. We're letting different opinions come in. We're seeing how an audience responds to hearing uh information filtered through the Daily Show lens through other voices, which actually I think is more refreshing than we thought it would be. And and what happens next? I don't know. But I, th- I think the Daily Show's got a good shot at kind of figuring out what the best fit is. Um, you've been doing this for quite a long time now. I mean, do you feel like, you know, you're going to just keep going out and confronting these Trump fans as long as the Daily Show uh, lets you? Or how are you feeling about, you know, this this roller coaster that you can't get off now you know it'd be really nice if there's just an easy job in an air-conditioned studio where i could just (laughs) sit there and talk about the news that would be you know for an old man like me just give this guy uh, a seat to rest his weary weary legs i will follow the story wherever it goes i've i've often said and we've talked about it like i love getting out there and as long as the world uh collects around issues and topics around politics and people i kind of want to be there talking to them I wanted to evolve as well. Um, I think this week, part of what I wanted to even prove with this week is like, guess what? I think you can go out to a story, you can bring it back, and you can sit at the desk and you talk about the story. I think one of the things I was most proud of two weeks ago, there's a lot of late night shows covering uh, uh, such a historic moment of Donald Trump being indicted. There's only one late night show that had somebody talking to George Santos out in front who then comes back, edits, edits a piece, and then by six o'clock when the show is taped, sits at the desk and talks with Roy about what he saw downtown. Yeah, I think that that's probably, dynamic. Yeah, that was your quickest turnaround yet, I'm sure. We turned it around in a couple hours. And I think like you can do that kind of stuff. And I think the shows have to evolve in a way where they are doing that type of a thing. Format wise, it go a couple different ways. But but I, I'm excited that we're trying these types of things uh, and evolving with the conversation because you have to. Um, so we've been ending these episodes by asking comedians um if there's a story or memory from your career that makes you laugh now, but really was not funny when it happened, anything that comes to mind that uh, that that really just uh, was not funny when it happened the first time, but when you think about it now, it makes you laugh. Well, I, as somebody who's more sketch comedian and improviser than he's been than stand up, I remember doing. Uh, my wife and I did a, a sketch show uh, where we played characters, talked about 
marriage, relationships, kids, and all this kind of thing. And we did a live show at the Bell House in Brooklyn. Uh, and it was an alt room, and we performed a sketch live in a traditional stand-up setting, uh, but it was an alt cool room, and it killed, it went gangbusters, and we were like, you know, we could do this Nichols and May thing. We don't have to do stand-up. This is New York. It's savvy. Let's do some sketch. Let's play around with that. And we got booked on a more traditional stand-up room uh, a week later, and we took this sketch that we felt was real, real gangbusters, and walked into a stand-up room, and in walked Janine Garofalo, who was somebody we grew up with <laughs> and loved. She sat down in this tight room. She was the headliner, and we were like, we've made it. We're in New York. We'd been in New York for for many years at that point, but it was sort of like, we're comedians. We're opening for Janine Garofalo. We found a way to crack this stand-up uh, setting. Uh, we are we are on our way. And then we got up. We performed a sketch. It was seven minutes long. There were zero laughs. <laughs> it brought us together as a married couple, uh, pushed us farther away as comedians. <laughs> and we had to walk in shame past Janine Garofalo as she gratefully didn't say a word to us. <laughs> yeah, she just kind of looked down, looked away. She kind of looked down into her notes, walked up on stage and made the audience laugh. And so, you know, I think it's a reminder to this day, like no matter how certain you are, uh, rooms can change. So can audiences. Uh, make sure to keep uh, your humility with you. Well, I uh, hope nothing like that happens next week on The Daily Show. Uh, I think you're going to kill it. And I, I can't wait to watch the episodes. Matt, I appreciate it. I hope you didn't jinx me uh, making me tell that story <laughs> hours before I, I take the chair. But thank you. All right. Thank you again to Jordan Klepper for coming back on the podcast again for this bonus episode. You can catch him as guest host of The Daily Show starting Monday, April 17th. And if you haven't checked it out, you can hear all six episodes of his podcast, Jordan Klepper Fingers the Conspiracy, wherever you get your podcasts. The first episode is about QAnon's obsession with JFK Jr. and features The Daily Beast's own Will Summer, who co-hosts the equally excellent Fever Dreams podcast. If you want to support The Last Laugh, please help us out by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We want as many people to hear this show as possible, and you can help by spreading the word and sharing it with your friends. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And if you're not already, please follow at Last Laugh Pod on Instagram, where you can see photos and videos from all of our episodes and see who is coming up next week on the show. The Last Laugh is distributed by Acast for The Daily Beast, with audio production by Jesse Cannon. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find this show every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.